We go through our entire life pursuing that which we believe will bring us joy or love or peace or God. And I'm here to tell you, it's not in the future. It's not in the thing. It's available to you right now in every single moment, including this one. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I am elated to share with you today's guest who's coming back to the show. Hal Elrod is so phenomenal, and I can't wait for him to share with you his newest book. After surviving multiple near-death experiences and impacting millions of lives through his first book, Hal Elrod is now on a mission to elevate the consciousness of humanity one person at a time. That book we've been talking about, The Miracle Morning, it's been translated into 34 languages. It's sold over a million copies and is practiced daily by over half a million people around the world. But he's here today to talk about his newest book, to talk about the next step in his mission to help you take your life to the next level. We're here to talk about The Miracle Equation, the two decisions that move your biggest goals from possible to probable, to inevitable. Hal Elrod, welcome back to the show. This is absolutely a treat. Dr. Richard, it is a mutual treat. So uh, yeah, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks everybody for listening. Absolutely. A mutual treat. I love that. For those of you, and for those of you who are checking this out and want to hear more about Hal's story, check out episode 50, where he talked about his first near-death experience. And not that anybody should have to experience a near-death experience, but Hal, you had two. And we didn't talk at all about the second time that you came very close to dying. And I know that you're very open and sharing that with people. I'd love for you us to start there. Could you talk about what that was and how that impacted your life? And, and we'll go from there. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll say uh, just a five seconds on the first one, uh, just in case anybody want, is curious. When I was 20 years old, my car was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 to 80 miles an hour. And I was found dead at the scene. I died for six minutes. My heart stopped for six minutes, broke 11 bones, was told I would never walk again and in a coma for six days. That was enough for me. That was, that was, that was enough on the near-death experience list. And uh, unfortunately, that was not, or fortunately, that wasn't the last one. About three years ago, it'll be three years actually, Richard, Dr. Richard, next month. And that is, I was diagnosed with a very rare and aggressive form of cancer, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. When I went into the hospital, my lungs were failing, my kidneys were failing, and my heart was on the verge of failing. I had to go in for an emergency procedure to drain fluid around my heart took about 11 days for the doctors to find out what in the heck was causing all of my organs to fail or many of my organs to fail. And it turned out it was this cancer. And, um, you know, being a dad, I mean, any human being, this is tough to take, but as a dad being told you have a 20 to 30% chance that you're going to die or, or, or only that you're going to live, which is a 70 to 80% chance you're going to die, right? 
on really the scariest thing for a parent to to hear. And uh, I very quickly, uh, you know, we can talk, we can get into how this happened, but very quick, the day I was diagnosed, I told my wife, this is the best thing that has ever happened to me, I believe. She didn't like that. She did not agree with that. She, uh, we weren't on the same page there. But I said, I believe it'll be the best thing that ever happened to me because I believe that every adversity and then the car accident was the first, you know, big, big example of this. Every adversity uh, is an opportunity for us to learn and grow and become better than we've ever been before. And I viewed that cancer as the greatest adversity I would likely ever face. And uh, I, uh, I, the day I was diagnosed, I told my wife, I said, sweetheart, I know the doctor said there's a 20 to 30% chance I'm going to survive. But I'm telling you, there is a 100% chance that I will be in the 20 to 30% of people who beat this cancer and survive. And it was because of this thing called the miracle equation that I had named when I was 20 years old and began living when I was 20. And uh, it was how I had defied the odds with my car accident. And it was how I had overcome a lot of challenges in my life and accomplished a lot of incredible goals that I never at one point thought I ever imagined I could. And I went, if the miracle morning, it's, I mean, the miracle equation has worked uh, for me in all of these cases. And I told this to my wife, uh, I, I believe in it, in the formula. Uh, and I, I've seen it work for so many people. And I believe it's going to work for me again. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. And I applied this formula, this miracle equation every single day. Uh, and I beat the cancer in ways the doctors were like, they, they didn't understand how I was responding. My body was responding so well to it. And um, to kind of close the loop on that, on the story is that uh, with the, uh, my publisher said, Hey, you know, now that you're cancer free, do you want to write a book? What book might you write? And I I had a handful of ideas. I said, well, I've, there's this one I've thought about on this. And I thought, it, I thought about doing like a miracle morning kind of, you know, updated and expanded version. And, uh, and then I said, but then I'm saving kind of the best for last, if you will. And I don't know if you'll agree, but I said, there's this, I call it the miracle equation. I said, I don't know if it's too woo-woo for you. I'm not sure. And, uh, you know, it's kind of insecure about it. And I'm trying to pitch it, explain it. And, and uh, luckily they, you know, my heart was in that book. Um, and, uh, and, and, and sharing this concept with the world, because as we're about to find out, it's, ex- it's deceptively simple in its explanation, but extraordinarily rare in its execution. And so I really wanted to have, you know, 200 pages to really unpack this and have people understand that, Hey, this is how the world's most successful people, the most prolific achievers, the most extraordinary human beings on the planet this is how they've overcome and or accomplished everything they've accomplished. And if you apply the same strategy, formula, whatever you want to call it, um, you could, there's nothing that you can't overcome or accomplish in your own life. And yeah, and now we're here and, uh, and it's, you know, it's, the book came to fruition and I'm getting the feedback from the readers that, hey, this is actually working. I'm doing the things in the book and I'm seeing these extraordinary results. And, and uh, that brings us to today. I, I think the way that you described just to, to retouch on your your victory over cancer, the way that you described that doesn't surprise me at all, knowing what I know about you. But it is interesting that, you know, out of that really was the the premise for writing this book, which is very different than your first book. And and I think that it's it's so interesting because we're almost talking about a a, a scientific methodology, really. We're basically saying that here is the equation. This is, you know, X plus Y 
equals miracles. But but I want to ask you a specific question because you, you've had two books that are, are having the word miracle in the title. So in your own words, what does a miracle mean to you? How would you define that? Now, I appreciate you asking because it is a really loaded word, right? And, and I think it's, you know, it's almost, it's a kind of a woo-woo word uh, or maybe it depends on the context. That's the thing, that's what makes it so loaded, right? If you're a very religious person, then you're like, well, yeah, miracles happen if God makes them happen, right? Um, you know, or if you're a woo-woo you know, person, you might go, yeah, I've got a vision board and I manifest miracles by staring at my vision board all day, right? Uh, or if you're a lot of folks, I think that miracles are, 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 it's not a very trustworthy concept. It's like, well, usually I think we think of a miracle as something that we don't have a lot of control over, um, that it's something that happens by chance or luck. Uh, it's something that you pray and wait and hope for. And that, I, you know, I'm not a fan of, 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 of those ways of looking at it. I, for me, I'm a results-oriented person and I want to be able to look at something and go, and I also believe in self-empowerment. Where I don't, I don't sit back and wait for anything. If I want to create an outcome, it's my responsibility to create that outcome, and including overcoming cancer, learning to walk again. I mean, all of the things I've always taken it upon myself as, and I have, you know, I've always thought that the moment you accept total responsibility for everything in your life is the moment that you claim the power to change anything in your life or to affect anything in your life, right? So I believe in total responsibility, and so. Long way of saying, here's how I define a miracle. A miracle is any meaningful outcome beyond what you believe is probable for you. And notice I didn't say possible. I accidentally did, but I didn't. <laughs> but, but here's the point. If you're an optimist that you believe that anything is possible, but, but we don't go after that which is possible. When was the last time that you had a ginormous goal that was possible, but you didn't believe it was probable and you went after it? Very few people go, yeah. I think the odds of this one are slim to none, but I'm going to give it everything I have. No, we, we, as human beings, we value certainty. And so we tend to only put our energy into that, which we believe is very likely to happen. Right. Um, and if we go beyond that, it's a very, usually it's a very minor stretch. It's all right. I did this last year. So this year I'm going to go 10% more. Right. We, we, we don't, we don't usually go, we don't go all out. We just, we just go for incremental improvement. So the idea that a miracle is any meaningful outcome beyond what you believe is probable for you, it's the idea that because you don't believe it's probable, it's, it's outside the realm of what you've ever done before, when you accomplish that outcome, it feels like a miracle, right? It feels like a miracle. You look back and go, oh my God, that goal was so big and so scary and so beyond what I thought I, what I'd ever done before. I can't believe I actually made it happen. And when you study the world's most successful people, you unpack that how they approach every goal that they set, or at least the ones that they, you know, the big ones, the ones they achieve. You, you find that with the two decisions that we're going to discuss today, it's the same for all of them. It's every, it's been the same for you, it, you know, Doctor Richard. Everything you've accomplished, you accomplished by establishing these two decisions, and and I'll just I'll share what they are: unwavering faith and extraordinary effort. And like I said, they're deceptively simple in their explanation. If I left it at that and we hung up the podcast, you'd be like, great, Hal. So unwavering faith. So like, okay, believe in myself and then extraordinary effort. So like work hard. Wow. Uh, I didn't know I should do right? like, you know, like that. <laughs> that's simple, but it's not that simple, right? It is that simple, yet it's not that simple. And so we can unpack those concepts. But, again, but let me just say this. If you, I said this a few times, but I want to I apply it to the decisions. If you study the world's most successful people in any walk of life, You'd be hard pressed to find one of them 
that didn't establish the faith in themselves that they could accomplish something they had never accomplished before in their life. And then they maintained that faith for as long as it took. Thus, the faith was unwavering until they achieved the outcome, the meaningful outcome they were working towards. And the second decision is just as important. Once you establish the faith, you can do something and you maintain that faith. You must put forth extraordinary effort until the outcome is realized. And when I say extraordinary effort, I'm not talking about working 60 hours a week or 80 hours a week. In fact, if I were to define extraordinary effort in one word, it would be consistency. It's simply doing something, even one thing, every single day or five days a week or four days a week, but consistently putting forth effort that moves you in the direction of that predetermined outcome. And if you established those two decisions, I will maintain unwavering faith that I can achieve this goal, this dream, this outcome, this miracle, and I will put forth extraordinary effort predetermining what is the process, what is the effort that will ensure my success if I put it forth long enough. And if you put forth, if you maintain those two decisions, your success moves from possible to probable to inevitable, where the only variable is time. You might want to do it in a year and it takes you five, but you will eventually get there if you maintain those two decisions until, until you get to where it is that you're working towards. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. There's so much to unpack there, and you're absolutely right. that It sounds simplistic when you break it down to those two concepts, and yet it is deeper. Something that you were talking about made me think of the fact that our brains are basically working against us a lot of the time. And you talked about people having these incremental increases, but it's really when we step outside of our comfort zone that we're able to achieve these things that you're talking about because our our brains are naturally pushing us towards homeostasis. That is what's safe and comfortable. But you're talking about breaking that mold and rewiring some things upstairs for us because basically you are putting the pedal on the, or the foot on the gas and not taking it off. And I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. It's what well, it's, so I would say it's, it's defying human nature, human nature. You know, you, you use the word homeostasis, right? In, in the book, I talk about human nature. Actually, you know what? This is not in the book. I think, well, I, I don't know. I haven't read the book in a while. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I can't keep track of what's what, but anyway, here's the point. Human nature is to survive and to rest, right? Our ancestors, they only got off their lazy butts. And human beings, we have lazy butts, right? Like, but they only got off their lazy butt when they needed food, right? They uh, must hunt buffalo, right? And then they when they hunted the buffalo. If they caught the buffalo though, right? They killed the buffalo. And maybe that provided six months of meat. They didn't go try to kill more buffaloes to get up on the leaderboard and be the best buffalo killer. You know what I mean, right? They just went back to the village. They celebrated their win. 
and they ate buffalo meat for six months and they didn't do much else. They weren't, right? Our society has conditioned us to achieve, to it's created a monetary system, right? That, you know, and I, I'm, I'm involved in the monetary system, so I have to play the game. But, but the point is, we have to do more than human nature. We have to rise above the limitations of human nature in order to achieve the goals and dreams that we have in our life. Now, by the way, Richard, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know, as I've achieved all this stuff, I'm actually trying to regress back toward human nature. <laughs> like, I'm like, I just want to like get the Buffalo and chill with my family for six months. I just want to, you know, I just want to be, I just want to be with my family. I just want, I don't, I, I'm tired of proving anything. I'm trying to, trying to win. I'm trying to, you know, like, I, so, so for me, I'm, I'm all about the, the, you know, resting a little more in human nature. But the reality is if you are, if you live in our society and you want to achieve financial freedom, for example, or you want to make a huge impact in the world, well, then you can't simply fall back onto surviving and resting. You must move beyond that to moving, you know, accomplishing, achieving, creating, excelling, experience, right? All of these things. So the idea is that human nature keeps a kind of confines us to the minimum needed to get by. And if you're okay with that, no judgment. I'm trying to get closer to that, right? I've, I've already achieved all I wanted to achieve. Um, and, and, and I say that kind of in jest. The reality is I'm trying to impact a billion people. So I'm nowhere near. I actually have a long way to go. Um, but the point is that these two decisions are the two decisions that move you beyond human nature, where you establish faith that you can accomplish something that is beyond what you ever accomplished before. You've accomplished human nature. You've survived. You're here. You're listening to this. I'm sure you've rested, right? Maybe you need more rest. I don't know. But the point is, when you establish that faith before the effort, as you said, there's simple an explanation, as we said, but, but when you actually, to actually live those two decisions, every, and they are everyday decisions, right? It's not a, oh, I became successful because I made one-time decision that I was going to have faith in this thing and I put forth the effort one time. No, it's a waking up every day and it's a way of living. It's a way of approaching every challenge that comes your way and every goal or dream or outcome that you would aspire to create in your life, right? It's those two and, and those decisions are what get you there. I'm I'm still waiting for science to to prove you wrong and show that there was a buffalo leaderboard back you know twelve thousand <laughs> years ago. But but everything you're saying absolutely makes sense. I I think you're right. You know we're going we're we're doing something that's just counterintuitive to the the way that we are. And from a, a psychological standpoint, we often talk about change coming when there is pain in one's life that's significant enough to motivate them whether that pain is, is fear or monetary, whatever it is. But what I really love about what you're proposing with the miracle equation is we can move people forward in their life without them having to be at a crisis point, without them having to be in a car accident, without them having to be in considerable discomfort. It's almost like you're priming the pump to radically transform someone and approaching things from a holistic standpoint rather than saying, oh my God, uh, I'm about to get laid off from my job. I don't have any savings. What am I going to do? I, I really find this so refreshing and wonderful. Well, and that's the thing is fear, it, fear is what derails us, right? And fear has many different forms. You know, fear is a very loaded word as well. One of the biggest forms of fear that shows up is self-doubt, right? Self-doubt to me is a form of fear. And in, in my, you know, my first book, The Miracle Morning, I talked about rear view mirror syndrome. 
the idea that we have in our subconscious, and sometimes it's in our conscious mind, but usually our subconscious, this rear view mirror that checks our history to create our identity, right? So you go, oh, I've got this big goal or dream. And then you check the rear view and you go, wait a minute, there's no evidence that I could even touch this dream or come close to this dream. Who am I kidding? Why even start? And we literally, we stop right there. That fear, that self-doubt, that lack of evidence from our past stops us. So how do you go beyond that? How do you move beyond fear? You move beyond fear with faith. And it's not faith in a higher power. Not that I'm discounting that. It's faith in yourself. If you are a human being, you are just as worthy, deserving, and capable of success in your life as any other human being on the planet, right? We all share this, this limited, or I'm sorry, limitless potential, right? The limitations are, you know, they're self-imposed. And so in order to overcome fear, you overcome fear with faith. You got to take that rear view mirror that's, uh, that, that's based on your past. And instead of living your life based on your past, you have to turn it around and live your life based on your potential. And so you flip the rear view mirror up, right? You go, okay, what do I want? From a place of pure possibility, what do I want if anything were possible? And then you get you start there. You just start with possibility. You don't have to even believe you can do it at the beginning. But you get clear on what are the possibilities that I would love to create in my life, to experience, to contribute. And then that that and now you're starting in possibility. But again, if you're an optimist, you you've always believed anything is possible. Possible doesn't get you into action. Right? We don't pursue those goals that we believe are possible. We believe we pursue that which we believe is probable, right? So how do you move from possible to probable? You then, in writing, establish unwavering faith. You, you take that possibility and you go, I will maintain unwavering faith that I can blank, whatever that outcome is. It might be overcoming a challenge. It might be repairing a relationship. It might be making a million dollars. It might be uh, you know, affecting climate change or whatever, right? Whatever your pos- pure possibility is, I will maintain unwavering faith that I will blank, accomplish that thing, overcome that thing until. I do, no matter what, there's no other option. And, and essentially what that does, when that's in writing, every, you read it every day and you literally reprogram your subconscious mind from that place of fear to a place of unwavering faith. And by doing it every single day, you know, and, and I'm very unscientific in terms of being able to explain this stuff, right, Dr. Richard? But, um, you know, in terms of, uh, I did have a neuroscientist that was uh, interviewing me recently and she was explaining all the neuroscience of unwavering faith. And I have already forgotten everything she said. <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, but the point is, right, that, it, that from a, I like to take it from a practical standpoint. If you tell yourself something over and 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 over again, your subconscious mind does not know the difference between reality and vividly imagined, repeated, recited reality, right? And I always use the example of if you tell a kid they're stupid long enough, often enough, even if they're a genius, they're going to believe that they're stupid, right? Because we, whatever we repeat over and over and over again becomes our reality. And so that's where the power of unwavering faith in writing in, in a single statement, it, you're reprogramming, you're replacing that fear-based mindset with a faith-based mindset. And from that place of unwavering faith that you can accomplish that specific predetermined outcome, now 
you're, you're giving yourself the fuel to begin stepping into that second decision, which is extraordinary effort. And I want to really break this down for you because extraordinary effort does not mean what it sounds like on the surface. If it were me and I didn't write the book, I'd go, got it. So you're telling me I need to work really, really, really hard, like 60 hours a week, 80 hours a week, right? Morning till night, sacrifice my health, sacrifice my family. Like that's what extraordinary effort sounds like to me. But I think I said this earlier, in one word, it's consistency. You don't need to be worth extraordinary effort. For me, the, the way I sold 2 million copies of The Miracle Morning The extraordinary effort started with, I'm going to write for an hour a day. I don't know about you, Richard, but waking up an hour earlier and and, and putting my fingers on a keyboard for an hour, I didn't sweat. I didn't break my back, right? I, I didn't go insane. I didn't sacrifice my family. I didn't sacrifice my health. I just typed on a keyboard for an hour. And it took me three years of doing that right? Extraordinary effort is consistency over an extended period of time. I don't want to, I left that part out earlier over an extended period of time. That's what makes the effort extraordinary because most people are not willing to put forth effort consistently over an extended period of time. We want quick, fast, instant results. It took me three years to write the book. And then I thought, all right, my goal is to sell a million copies in year one. I sold 12,000 copies. I was 99.9% short of my goal. But the miracle equation is that you maintain those two decisions for as long as it takes to achieve your outcome. So I tried again year two. I only sold, I think, I don't know, 17,000 copies or something year two. So I'm still only at 29,000 copies, give or take. I'm still 99.7% short of my goal. But I just continued to apply the miracle equation. And eventually, we sold a million copies. And now we sold 2 million copies. And it's just, it just keeps going and going and going. And it is literally changing millions of lives around the world, which was my initial outcome. But I had to step out on faith by definition because I didn't actually know if I could do that because my rear view mirror showed me no evidence that I could. And so I want to close this loop with one important thought. Human beings, we want what we want. We want it now, right? We're very impatient. And we see people that are living the life that we want, or we imagine the life that we want that we're not yet living. And we feel a sense of scarcity, a real unease, a lot of stress. I, I, oh, why am I not where I want to be? Why am I not further along? Why am I not? Why, what do they have that I don't have? And I'm here to tell you from experience and observation that when you finally get to the place in your life, the point in your life that you've been working so hard for, for so long, you look back and you almost never wish it would have happened any sooner. Instead, with hindsight, you look back and you go, oh, it had to take this long. I had to overcome all those obstacles. I had to overcome the setbacks. I had to go through it before I could get to it. I had to become the person that I needed to become that was capable, qualified, and deserving of getting to where I am now. And you feel at peace and you feel at ease because the timing is always perfect. So wherever you are right now in your life, I'm inviting you to consider, give yourself the gift of being at peace with where you are, but yet simultaneously wake up every day with a healthy sense of optimism and urgency to do at least one thing that measurably moves you closer to whatever it is that, that is most important, most fulfilling, whatever your, your, your most tangible, measurable miracle is that you feel would, would, would make such a great impact in your life, in the world, for your family, every day, be at peace with where you are and maintain a healthy sense of urgency 
to put forth that extraordinary effort to get where you want to go. That was so beautifully said. I, I don't even want to ask any more questions <laughs> about that content. Although I think you just answered this one because as we're at time here, as you know, I, I love to wrap up every episode by asking my guests, what is their biggest helping, which is the single most important piece of information for somebody listening to this to take away. You might've just done it, but you might've just done that. But I want to ask you again, is, is there anything above and beyond that, that really would be your biggest helping for the audience? Yeah, and if I wouldn't have just said that, I might have closed with that. Um, but but you know, but I'm glad I said that because I, I do have something to add to that. I've been thinking a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, Doctor Richard, about the purpose of life, and 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 even the purposes of life, right? Plural, right? Who's to say there's only one purpose of life, right? Who's to say there's only one? And uh, and I'm I'm convinced you can say this in different ways, but it's to enjoy every moment. And you could say, I, I, another way of saying that is to, it's to experience love in every moment. Another way to say that is to, it's a, to experience God in every moment. Joy, God, love, right? These are all synonyms used in different religions and different cultures in different ways. But the point is this, I believe heaven is, it's here on earth. It's a state of mind. It's, it's, a, it's a state of consciousness. It's inside of all of us. It's available at all times. And, and so is hell. But I'm not trying to get spirit, too spiritual on everybody. But, but the point is, whatever, however, whatever language you want to use, I believe that to experience love in each moment is what we're after. If you look at why do you do anything, why do we work hard to achieve a goal or a dream? It's because we think that will bring us joy. I'll be able to enjoy my life when blank happens. When I accomplish blank, when I graduate college, when I get a better job, when I get a raise, when I get married, when I get divorced, when I, when I retire, right? We go through our entire life pursuing that which we believe will bring us joy or love or peace or God. And I'm here to tell you, it's not in the future. It's not in the thing. It's available to you right now in every single moment, including this one. And when I had cancer, I realized I can be the happiest, the most grateful, the most joyful that I've ever been in every moment, increasingly so in the next moment, even in the midst of the most difficult, painful, scary time in my life. And if I could experience joy while I was enduring cancer, I feel like it was for me, it was like, wait a minute. Well, then I could do that in traffic. I could do that when I have a bad day. I could do that if I have a headache or a cold. I could do that if you know I'm in debt. I could, right? You know what I mean? So, so that's what I would leave you with. What is this life about? It's enjoying every moment. That is not in the future. It's available to you right now. And I hope that you will take that into not just consideration, but just start living it. Smile right now. When this podcast is over, spend the next 60 seconds feeling absolute pure joy and love for no reason other than you deserve to feel that and experience that in every single moment of your lives now and forever. Perfect, Hal. There's never enough time when we have you on the show, but tell us quickly where people can get their hands on your latest book. 
wherever books are sold. Yeah, this is my first traditionally published book. All my other books are self-published, so you have to go to Amazon for all the others. But uh, Miracle Equation, you can get it at Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and you know, uh, wherever books are sold. Audible, if you like audiobooks, this is actually the first audiobook, Richard. I don't know if you know this, Doctor Richard, but it's the first one I ever read myself. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so uh, so yeah. If my voice doesn't annoy you, you can go listen to the audio. <laughs> so good, Hell, This has been fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Dr. Richard. Appreciate it, brother. Absolutely. And appreciate each and every one of you tuning into this week's episode. If you're behind the wheel or at the gym, we got you covered. Everything Hell Elrod will be available in the show notes for this episode at dailyhelping.com, as well as in our app available in iTunes and the Google Play Store. But most importantly, now that you've heard this, especially that you've heard this, go out there today, do something nice for someone else, even if you don't know who they are. Post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.